Hey, you're listening to the Upper Room Podcast. To learn more about Upper Room, please visit URDallas.com. Um, how are you guys? Good? Back from the holidays and in town. Last night I got back and I was walking through just the back hallways of our staff offices and I ran into Joe Awesome, who's another guy on staff and a brother to me and we both kind of had the same look on our face and we were like, did you just get back? And he was like, yeah, I just got back. And You're just walking through and you're like, man, it just feels so good to be home, to be here. Um, So I'm excited. If you have your Bibles, if you'll open up to Hebrews 11, and we have a lot of scripture this morning we're gonna go through, but we have somewhere we're going with it. Um, And we're gonna be in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, and this morning I want to I want to talk to you guys about um, about you know Jesus says he's talking to his disciples and he says you know my prayer my desire for you is that you would have fruit and that you would have fruit that remains not just not just now fruit not just a today fruit not just a Sunday 10 a.m. fruit but that you would have fruit that remains that you would have fruit that lasts you would have fruit that endures and I want to talk to you about sustaining faith. I wanna to talk to you about that burning heart, that, that burning flame of, of, of faith we have in our heart and how do you steward that? How do you keep that burning? How do you keep that alive and running? And you go through the years because we, we meet the Lord and we get into relationship with him and faith is birthed in our heart and, and it's, it's good, it's awesome and we're in love with the Lord, we're passionate, we're ready for Bible study, we're ready for service, we're ready for worship but then life hits you start going through some things, you hit a rub with a spouse, maybe you're a parent and you're just having a rough season with a teenager, maybe you're a, a millennial and you, you can't get on top of your finances and things get rough and things get hard and before you know it, that burning flame of faith s- slowly starts to trickle away and then before you know it, you've, you've made shipwreck of your faith and you're like, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? And so I wanna talk to you about sustaining faith. Um, so we're gonna be in Hebrews 11 and if you would, if you'd put your hand on your heart, and I, I want to pray for everyone in the room. I've I've heard one constant thing for this weekend as I've prayed um, from the Lord, and I just I feel this desire from the Lord for us to have burning hearts, to have burning burning hearts for Him. So Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this room, for this church, for this community, for everyone in the overflow, everyone watching online, Lord. And I just pray that this morning, Lord, this weekend, as we end our year, that we would position our hearts before you in such a way that we say, Come. Come, come, come. Come and author whatever you want to author in our hearts. Come, Jesus. Come and light a flame of faith in our hearts that burns and burns and burns and burns. And that when we get to through our 30s or our 40s or our 50s or we just get years down the road from where we are now that we can say one constant thing and it's that you, Jesus, have kept a burning flame of faith in our hearts. So come, Jesus. Come and author. Come and do what you do best. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to start in Hebrews 11. And like I said, I have a lot of scripture. We're going to go through the entire chapter of Hebrews 11. And we have somewhere we're going. So if you'll open up, if you don't have your Bibles, and then get out your phones, turn them on, however you can follow along. It'll be on the screen. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony By faith we understand that worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel, he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away that so he didn't see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age 
because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. If you'll jump over to verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to that reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, of Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, look at this, this is amazing. We all want our lives to look like this. Who through faith, Subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. We read all of that to get to this. Therefore, we also, everybody say, we also. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Say, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that. If you you don't know, Hebrews 11 is often referred to as, as the hall of faith. It's the hall of faith, right? It's these ones that we read about in the Bible, I, I love the Old Testament. My friends kind of have a joke with me. They, they'll ask each other, what are you reading? And they'll start sharing, First John, or I'm reading Hebrews, or I'm reading Galatians. And they'll say, I'm sure Aaron's reading Kings or Leviticus, or they laugh at me because I love the Old Testament. But I love the Old Testament because I love reading about the prophets. I love reading about the great warriors. I love reading about kings. I love, I love reading the stories in the Old Testament. But the stories that are in the Old Testament that are listed out here in Hebrews 11 are not just stories. Like they're not just these fairy tale like stories that paint a bigger picture behind that have this meaning. Yes to that, but they are real people who really walked the earth, who really saw these things happen, who really saw the mouths of lions shut, who really subdued kingdoms, who really saw walls fall down, who really walked to a sea and said, how are we gonna get through and watch God split it and they walked through on dry land and then watch the Egyptians try to do the same thing and water crushed them. Like those things really happened in the earth. Rain really came and and flooded the entire earth. Noah really built an ark that all the animals got into and it blows our minds and sometimes we can say, well, that's not a real story. That didn't really happen because it doesn't fit inside our minds, but it really happened. (laughs) It really happened. And so I love reading those stories and and I love reading Hebrews 11 because you hear just these stories and it just births faith. You're like, man, they subdued kingdoms. Mouths of lions were shut. You just hear these things and you're like, man, I, I wanna live like that. I want my life to look like that. I want, yes, like they did these, these awesome things. And, um, and it's, like the, it's like the standard for the Christian, right? It's like we all, we all wanna walk out of here and we all wanna go to lunch at Uncle Julio's and have a word for our waitress and we give it to her and she falls on the ground and gets delivered and set free in a moment. Like we all want that. We all wanna live in such a way that it just boasts of faith in who Jesus is. Um, and we see and we read about these people and it's like, man, that's, that's the standard. But we read that entire, that entire chapter to get to 11 because it, it, it's, it's a reality that we can live in. That's why... 
chapter 12 starts out with that little word. It's like a key. It's like a hinge that connects Hebrews 12 to Hebrews 11. Therefore, we also. Therefore, we also. We read about all of them. Man, Moses did this. Noah did this. Therefore, Aaron also. Therefore, Kevin also. Therefore, Joel also. Like, therefore, like for each of us, it's therefore us also. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race with endurance set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of, of faith, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so I've just been reading this and, I, and I've been, been reading this story and I've been thinking about how in a moment, like we hear, we hear a sermon, or in a moment we hear the Lord speak, in a moment something happens and then all of a sudden, you're just a person living in, earth, in, in the earth, maybe you have struggles, maybe you have whatever's going on, and, you, and, and Jesus comes and he, he authors this flame of faith in your heart. And all of a sudden, once this flame of faith is authored in your heart, you're, you're all of a sudden grafted into a great race and you're in this race and you find yourself and you're like, man, I'm, I'm on a race, therefore let me run the race that's set before me. Um, and so I wanna get there, but before we get there, I wanna, I wanna tell you a little bit about my story, if you don't know. Um, so I, I was raised in a, in a super, super godly home. We were always in church. Church was open. We were there. If um, there was Bible study, we were there. If Sunday, Sunday school, we were there. Um, youth group, I was there. We, I was always there. But there came a time where there was this, this option presented to me. Am, am I going, is this going to be the God of my parents or is this going to be the God of Aaron? And I was an insecure kid and had a lot of questions and thought, well, I haven't been saved for much. I don't really have a powerful testimony, so maybe for the Lord to really love me, I need to really go get a testimony. I need to get delivered from some stuff. I need to get saved. It was just a little deception lie that I believed, but it actually led me down a deep, deep path through, through drugs and alcohol and partying and just all of these things. And I was this insecure, depressed kid who found myself not believing in the Lord. And if I did believe in him, I despised him. I didn't like him. I was angry with him, wanted nothing to do with him. Um, and I, one thing I didn't equate with the Lord, with, with the gospel, was, was fun. And I love to have fun and I love to have a good time. But to me, going to church and listening to a sermon and listening to the way you're supposed to live your life, the do's and the don'ts, and I just thought, man, that's not for me. That's not fun, that's not. And so I got just stuck in some, some dark stuff. Um, so for me, an outlet became running. So I love the language of therefore let us run a race because I, I found an outlet of running. And so when seventh grade comes, you, it's the first time if you go to public school that you can play sports in school. So I had to audition for the, for the track team. I make the track team. Then my freshman year came and I auditioned for the, I ran, I went out for the cross country team. I made the cross country team and running for me became an outlet and I became really good at it. So my, jun my sophomore, junior and senior year, I made it all the way to the state qualifier uh, cross country meet and I ran in state and I had just had this desire, man, if I can really do good, if I can really work hard my senior year, I'm good, I'm good at running. I could potentially get a scholarship and there's my future. I wanna go to the Olympics. I had this dream to go to the Olympics and I believed I could do it. And so my senior year, I'm far from the Lord, want nothing to do with the Lord, but I'm, I have a goal set before me and it's to get a scholarship to go run. So my senior year, cross country, sure enough, make it to the state meet, run in the state meet, do really good, get a letter in the mail from Dallas Baptist University, they're interested in me coming in to run. So I grew up up by Amarillo, it's a small town called Borger, about six hours north of here, and not from Dallas. So I'm thinking, man, I could go to Dallas. Well, in that time, my sister, she moves to Dallas. She's burning for the Lord. And she comes to Christ for the Nations. And so I'm still in high school thinking, well, if I go to Dallas, my sister's in Dallas. I can meet up with my sister. It's awesome. I know someone there. I have family there. So my end of my senior year comes, and it's track season. So I start running track, and I start thinking, man, if I can really, really do well in track, Dallas Baptist, the way they did it, was if you run track, you also run cross country. You run cross country, you also run track. I was really good at cross country, not so good at track. So I thought I need to work on track. I need to really get my track times up. So um, it was the district track meet of my senior year about a month before I would graduate. And at the time, it was in 2012, at the time you could not just pull out your phone and get on the cloud and download the music you wanted. We had what you call an iPod. Those, we had those things that are expired and we don't have much of them anymore. And you had to plug it into your computer 
and you would download the music you want. And then you unplug it, you take it with you, put your headphones in, and you would listen. And at the time, my sister and I, we shared a laptop. And so she would come home from school and she would download worship, all sorts of worship, just all kinds of just Christian music. She was burning for the Lord. Me, on the other hand, I'm over here downloading Tupac and Lil Wayne and the Notorious B.I.G., all these just different artists that I'm downloading. And we would share a computer. And so my sister came home and she's downloading all these albums and me, I procrastinated at the last moment before my, my meet, I run in and I would normally delete the music she downloaded and then put what I wanted because we shared a computer. But I did not have time. So I downloaded a few music, the songs I wanted, I plugged my iPod on in, downloaded all of it and then I went, I went to the track meet. And so I would put my headphones in and I would click shuffle and I would start warming up. Start warming up, I'm stretching, I'm running, I'm getting warmed up and all of a sudden through the headphones comes a cheering crowd. It's a cheering crowd that I'm hearing in my ears. Don't know this song. It's just cheering, cheering, and I'm like, okay, let's start jogging, I'm warming up, and all of a sudden I hear through the cheering crowds, I hear this voice in my heart that says, win or lose today, all of heaven is cheering for you. Win or lose today, all of heaven is cheering for you. And I stopped and I took out the headphone and kind of looked around and who said that? I thought, that's weird, and so I put it on and I just began to warm up. Well, the song that began to play was from Jesus Culture. The song is called, Come Away With Me. And so the song goes on, um, and the lyrics, which are not the, I found out years later, are not the actual lyrics, but what I heard, I, f I heard the Lord actually, it, it was as if the Lord were saying the lyrics directly to me. And what I heard the Lord say is, come away with me, it'll be fun, it'll be wild, it'll be full of me. Well, it turns out the lyrics to the song actually does not say it'll be fun, but that's what I heard. And that's significant because, for me, acquainting gospel, church, the Lord, with fun, they just didn't go together. It's like one of these things are not like the other, you know? It's like fun, gospel, fun, Jesus, that's, those are opposites. And so hearing the Lord say, Aaron, come away with me, and it'll be fun, it'll be wild, and it'll be full of me. And in that moment, no one laid hands on me, no one prayed for me, no one shared the gospel with me, but I found myself on my knees on a track field giving my life to the Lord. So I would then... Yeah, it was awesome. It's still to this day, it's like, it's, it's the thing for me. It's that go back to that, that track field. Um, so I ended up um, having the opportunity to go and run at Dallas Baptist if I wanted to. But here I had this moment with the Lord where my heart was now, I heard from the Lord and an, a flame was, was authored in my heart, a burning flame of faith. Though I had no real recollection for theology. I had no real understanding of the word. I could not dive into scripture. I knew the stories, but I did not really know this for myself. Well, I could go with, a, with my church to El Salvador shortly after I graduate high school, go to El Salvador. And in El Salvador, I see people who were demon-possessed have crazy, crazy just stories of things you watch in movies, which were real coming forward and I'm like, what is this? Well, I saw people lay hands on them in the name of Jesus, demons left. And you would see someone, there was one girl, she had black eyes and she was hissing at us. And I, one of the guys I went with laid hands and said, in the name of Jesus, be free. And in a moment, color came into her eyes. She started weeping and she said, I've just been in bondage and chains. And I'm over here like, what in the world just happened? Well, there was another one, a guy walked in. He, he came walking in like this and he kind of inched his way in. Well, he had fallen out of a tree three years prior, and he had not stood up straight in three years. Another guy on our team went over there, laid hands on him in the name of Jesus. His back sh shot straight, and he walked, he walked out of the place normal. He actually ran home. I remember watching him run home. I gotta go tell my wife. I gotta go tell my wife. And he ran home. So I was left like, Psalm 24, who is this king of glory? That question was in my heart. Who is this one? Who is this Jesus? Who is this one? You say his name and demons flee. Who is this one? You say his name and backs are lined up. Who is this, who is this one? So what I ended up doing, um, now I know that I had heard from the Lord. At the time, I was just on this journey of I gotta find out who this Jesus is. I ended up laying down the opportunity to go and run for school and I went to Christ for the Nations. I went to Bible school. And at Bible school, I, I learned to hear the voice of the Lord. I learned to walk with God. I learned scripture for myself. I just really, really got a real, real relationship with the Lord at CFNI. I'm so, so grateful for CFNI. It taught me to get in relationship with the Lord. Well, the end of my, my time came and I was getting offers to interview all over the place um, 
to be a youth pa- to be a youth pastor. There was a connection at CFNI. I said you would be an awesome youth pastor. Go interview all these places. So I was interviewing at these places, and I thought, man, just none of these feel right. I don't have that peace from the Lord to say yes to any of these opportunities. Maybe I'll go back to school. I heard the Lord tell me, no, I don't want you to go back to school. You're not going back to school. I have something for you. So I'm thinking, okay. So I'm telling all these opportunities no, but I'm not going back to school. So graduation date's coming up and I have nothing to do. And I'm like, man, what am I gonna do? Well, I'm in Dallas. I was working and I left work and I was on my way home and this massive, massive, massive storm hit Dallas. And as I'm driving through the storm, it just begins to downpour. And so I call my sister, I text her. I was in an area where she lived and she was living and she was nannying for these pastors and didn't know them, didn't really know much about them. But she was nannying for these pastors and she was living with them. So I called her, I knew that the house was close and said, hey, can I, can I come over? Can I ride out the storm? She said, yes, come. So I pull up to this house and I go and knock on the door and lo and behold, Michael Miller opens the door. And he invites me in and he says, hey, come, we're about to have dinner. Come sit down and have dinner with us. By the end of dinner, I had a job here at the upper room. It was so strange. <laughs> And so basically, I'm hearing the Lord and following the Lord on this journey, and now to this day, that was four years ago, here I am on staff at a church that I did not understand prayer, did not have a grid for what we do in the prayer room, and two-hour prayer sets seemed miserable to me. I used to sit on the stage right here, and I would look at the clock, and I had broken the clock up into 30-minute segments. And so the first 30 minutes was like the first quarter. Second 30 minutes was the second quarter, and I'm in my head, like I didn't understand it, I didn't get it. But four years later, here I am and burning for prayer. The one thing that I didn't understand, burning to to minister to the heart of the Lord, something I definitely didn't understand. And I share all that to share because in a moment, this this flame of faith is authored in our hearts and we find ourselves in a race. We find ourselves running. We, We have a race set before us. And so I used to, like I said, when I was in seventh grade, I tried out for the track team and I made the team. And when I was in seventh grade, I was in that awkward stage where you don't know if you're skinny or chubby. You're like, which one are you? If I look at you from this way, you're really skinny. But if I look at you this way, you kind of look like a chicken nugget. You know that thing? (laughs) So that's me as a seventh grader. And they put me in the 300 hurdles. Why they put me in the 300 hurdles, I do not know. I was slow. I couldn't jump, but I was in the 300 hurdles. So I go to do the race. And if you don't know the 300 hurdles, what it is, is it's, it's three quarters of a lap. And every 10 or 15 feet or so, there's a hurdle. You jump over it. So I'm running, and I'm jumping, and I'm running, and I'm jumping, and I'm running, and I'm jumping. And I would get to the end, the last place, I think, every time. And I was just horrible at it. But I used to, I used to think, I first got saved, right? You hear promises from the Lord. The Lord tells you all sorts of things, and you're just burning for him. And I thought my race with the Lord, this race set before me, was like a 300-hurdle track run. It's simple, you go from here to there, and then from here to here, and then from here back to here, and here's the finish line. Throughout that race, you have a couple hurdles, you'll jump over them, simple enough. But what I have found in this seven year long journey I've had with the Lord, with my my heart burning for him, is that it's not so much like a 300 meter, meter hurdle run, but it's more like a cross country race. And if you don't know cross country, cross country is a three mile race through any sort of terrain. So you go wherever they say they have the course and there's a, there's a start line and there's, there's another line and you just follow the line wherever it takes you. So it just goes different ways. Sometimes it goes back. You think, oh, here's the finish line. Then it turns again and then it goes back this way and you're like, well, where am I going? And I have found that my race with the Lord looks a lot like that. It looks a lot like sometimes I'm running and all of a sudden I'm going up a hill and I'm still going up a hill and I'm still going up a hill and then all of a sudden I'm going down Well, now I'm running through water and I'm like, Lord, where are you taking me? What are you doing? And so a lot of times that where are you taking me, that what are you doing can, can birth this question in your heart of, of like, man, it's, it's not what I thought it would look like and, and hope deferred comes. And so then before you know it, this flaming faith, this, flaming, this little flame of faith in your heart, it's like, man, it slowly starts to go away. You have hope deferred. And then before you know it, you've made shipwreck of your faith. Um, and so... For, for the holidays, we all have conversations. I had conversations throughout 
just across the board with people I don't talk to often, people that are family that I haven't seen in a long time, with people I went to high school with. Some of them were conversations with people in the body. Just have so many conversations and you hear where different people are at. But a lot of, a lot of things I heard throughout the holidays is I would talk to, to people who used to run hard after the Lord and they would share the gospel with me, they would tell me about Christ before I was running with him. And now I'm talking to them and because of the rub and the wear and tear of life, their, their, that flame of faith is, is gone. They've made shipwreck of their faith. And there was one conversation in particular I was having and, and the, he looked at me, this guy, and he just he began to ask me how I was doing after he just kind of gave me the spill of how, how he's, his life is in the pit. And he asked me, well, how are you doing? And I'm thinking, you know, I kind of feel bad telling him, well, I'm doing good. And you know, have you ever had those conversations and you're like, man, and you start thinking about it I left that conversation and I was thinking about it and I was thinking, what, what was the difference? And the difference was, is that somewhere along the race, somewhere along the run, that flaming heart was, was just burned out. It just burned out. And so my question, my question with the Lord is, Lord, how do we keep this steady, this steady flame burning? How do we keep the burn? Because a lot of times we can equate the burn to, man, if I'm, I, I'm doing good, life's good, my, my spouse is good, my home life is good, my finances are good, I'm burning. But then the moment it's like, man, my finances aren't good, or I'm arguing with my wife a lot, or I can't get along with this relationship, or whatever it is, trial comes, and we can acquaint that to, man, my flame has burned out. But the reality is, is there's a way you can run the race, and as you're going up that hill, and you're like, man, this is hard, this is hard, I gotta endure, I gotta endure, that that flame can still be burning can still be burning. And so I started asking the Lord, Lord, the Lord began to show me more so, um, Lord, how do, you, how do you keep this, this, how do you run this race? And the Lord said, well, well, Aaron, burning, hearing ears birth burning hearts. That's what he said to me. He said, hearing ears birth burning hearts. Hearing ears birth burning hearts. And so I said, okay, what does that mean? And he began to show me, he said, the Lord said to me, he said, how's faith come? I said, well, you're the author and the finisher of faith. Okay, but how does faith come, Aaron? And I'm like, well, you know, I start thinking about it and then it's like all of a sudden you have the, the light bulb and it's like, oh, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. So can, we, can, can you guys throw up Romans 10, Romans chapter 10 up there? He said, faith comes, by, faith comes by hearing. And the Lord said, yeah, that's right. Faith comes by hearing. So I flipped to this passage. But it's so true. Like we all have this moment with the Lord. If you're a believer in Christ, you all have this moment with the Lord where you hear and then a flame is birthed. And it can look like my experience where you hear the Lord, the Lord says something. It can, it can look like you have a preacher, like I am, who's preaching, and you hear a message, and then there's this feeling, and you give your life to the Lord. It doesn't, it can look like a, Different, different things across the board, but regardless, we all have heard in some way and faith was birthed. Faith, faith was birthed. I saw it a few weeks ago, there was a handful of people laying on the carpet right here weeping, just weeping, 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 giving their life to the Lord. In the moment, either in their heart, through their ears, they heard something and faith was, faith was, faith was authored. Um, so I wanna look at this. It says, brethren, my heart's desire, verse one, and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. My prayer, my desire for upper room is that you would be saved and, that, and for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, that burning heart, that flame that doesn't go out. But not according to knowledge for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does have these things shall live by them, but the righteousness of, righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Who will descend into the abyss? Verse eight, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction, distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him if they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, Psalm 24 again, it says, it says, lift up your head, O you gates, and the king of glory will come in. So gates, it's referring to gates of the city, lifting, lifting up the gates, and the king of glory will come in. But did you know that we have gates to our body? A few weeks ago, Miller spoke and he preached about our eye gates. What you look at, what you behold, you become. Like our eyes are gates to our soul. Your mouth, words create worlds. Your mouth is a gate. But your ears are also a gate to who you are. Your ears are a gate to your heart. Faith comes by hearing. Mark 4.24, can you throw that up? Mark 4.24. This is Jesus talking and this is what Jesus said. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured unto you. And to you who hear, more will be given. So throughout Jesus's time here on earth, when he would preach more times than not, he would end his sermons with this one phrase. He would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. To all of the letters, every single letter in Revelation to the churches ends with this one phrase. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it's because our ear gates are important. Hearing ears birth burning hearts. Um, I, wanna, I wanna play a sound for you guys. So if you, if you all across the room would close your eyes. And I wanna play a sound. I'm gonna have them play the sound and I'm gonna see if any of you recognize it. And if you recognize it, maybe think about where you've heard it before. Think about if you have a memory attached to it. Think about where the last time you heard this sound was. Um, and let's see if you recognize it. So can you play that sound? So maybe you've heard it. Think about it. Maybe it puts you back at a school dance. Maybe you're going out with friends. Maybe you're driving through the car. Think if you've ever heard it. Some of you, yes. Thriller. Play the next one. If you're from Texas, you better know this one. But listen, think if you know it. Think if you've heard it. Think about how it makes you feel. Right, right. All right, will you play that next one? Here's the next one. Uh-oh. Are you back in a skating rink? Where are you at? Where was the last time you heard it? Are there movements that come with hearing this sound? Yeah. All right, that's good. Thank you. So here's the thing. We heard something. We all just heard something. Something went into our ear gates and across the room, people started doing something in this room that you normally would not do if you didn't hear what you heard. <laughs> right? Right, because our, our ears are gates. They're gates to our hearts. So you heard something and an action came forth. You heard something and there, some of you, there caused movements. Maybe some of you, you have, a, a, you have a funny story attached to one of those songs and you started thinking of a feeling of, man, I remember when this happened. Maybe some of you, you have a bad, a bad memory attached to it and you're thinking, I hate that song or whatever it is, but you heard something and it birthed a reaction forth from us, right? Because our ears are powerful. We have ear gates, and so I've been on this journey with the Lord of Lord keeping this burning heart. And the Lord says to me, he says, hearing ears birth burning hearts. What you hear is powerful. What you hear determines the way you run your race. Hearing ears birth burning hearts. And so I started having this conversation with a friend and I, and I started just telling him what the Lord was showing me. Man, did you know that it says all of this about hearing ears? You know that Jesus says, be careful what you hear? Do you know it's important? And we started talking and we, we started getting like really like full of faith and we're like, man, that's good. That, you know, we're just talking. Well, about a month goes by and I have another conversation, same friend, and the friend begins to tell me. He says, you know, that conversation we had about hearing and it's powerful what you hear. I said, yeah. And he said, well, he said, I've been struggling with pornography 
been battling it. I've been meeting with, I've met with pastors about it. I've, you know, I have accountability partners, all of this stuff. Regardless, I've struggled with pornography. And he said, after that conversation, I was really convicted of the music I was listening to as I drove from work home. And he said, so since that conversation, since that day, it's been about a month, I've stopped listening to the secular music, the secular hip hop music I've been listening to on the way home, and I've started listening to podcasts or worship music. I've started listening to preaching, I've started listening. And he said, you would not believe the freedom I have found and the struggle that I've had by simply what I've been putting into my ears. What's been going into his ears has been, has been helping him walk through freedom. Um, and so I had this dream, this dream now, it would have been over five years ago since I had this dream, and the Lord reminded me of this dream I had. It was when I was a student at CFNI, and in the dream, I was, I, was in a, I was in a building and I walked out of the building and in the courtyard of the building I walked out of, you know the statue of David, the famous statue of David, it's an, it's an art piece that's really famous. Well, there was a statue being built like the statue of David, but it was a statue of myself. It was being built in the dream. And as I walked out and I saw the stream, there was people all over working on it. Some were working on the legs, some were working on the arms, some was working on the head. But the dream began to zoom in and it zoomed in to, to the workers who were working on my face. And on my face and the statue, they were, putting, they were putting the wrinkles on my eyes, they were putting the lines in my eyebrows, they were putting the, the definition and the prints around my lips. The little bitty details is what they were putting on my face, but the tool that they were using to put the details was music notes. They were throwing music notes and a music note would hit my lip and then all of a sudden there would be the print on my lip. They would throw a music note and it would hit my eyebrow and then my eyebrows had definition. They would throw a note and then the crease between my nose and my lip was formed. The little bitty details were, the tool they were using was music notes. And so I woke up from the dream and I heard the Lord say, I started praying about the dream and I heard the Lord say, Aaron, what you listen to what you listen to today determines the details of who you become tomorrow. What you listen to today determines the details of who you'll become tomorrow. So our ears, our ears are powerful. Faith comes by hearing. So there's a physical side of it, but there's also, there's also an internal side of it. And I, I wanna look at the story and we'll get there in just a minute. We're gonna, we're gonna go to Exodus 17, um, but we'll get there in just a minute. So you, you can physically hear, but you can also internally hear too because we're running this race that's set before us. We're running the race that's set before us. We're running, we're running, we're running, we're running, but then all of a sudden something happens. And maybe you go through a trial, maybe, maybe and I don't wanna make light of any situations because some, some of your situations across the room could be really big situations. I'm not making light of any of them, but you're running, you're running, you're running, and you hit a trial. And you, what, what happens when you hit a trial? Like, how do you respond in that trial? Because the next verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 2 is really important. It says, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. And the next verse, it says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. So we're running, we're running, we're running. All of a sudden, our race goes this way. We're running, we're running. All of a sudden, it goes back this way. We're running, we're running. All of a sudden, we feel like we're going back to the start. Wait a minute, Lord, you said my promise was that way, but I'm going this way. We're running, we're running, but our eyes the entire time are meant to be locked on Jesus. They're meant to be locked on the King of Kings. They're meant to be locked on the Lord of Lords. They're meant to be locked on the one who's Emmanuel, God with us. They're meant to be locked on Jesus. But what happens is we go through a trial, we're running the race, our heart's burning, it's burning for the Lord, and then all of a sudden, your finances run down, you lose your job, whoa, this wasn't part of the promise, Lord. Rent starts coming, whoa, I have no job. Rent's a little closer, whoa, I have no job. Oh man, so your eyes were meant to be locked here, but you, all of a sudden it goes here, well, this is what my bank account says, uh-oh, rent's tomorrow, oh no, like, oh, I'm frustrated, and then before you know it, this little thing has played out into this huge thing, and now you're questioning, is God real? Is God for me? Is God with me? When if you're running like this, and it's like, uh-oh, I lost my job. Okay, but you're faithful, you're a provider. I'm running my race. Uh-oh, rent's coming close, but you're faithful, you're a provider. Uh-oh, rent's tomorrow, but you're faithful, you're a provider. Uh-oh, all of a sudden, it comes in, and your heart stayed burning the entire time. You may be questioned, or maybe there was frustration or rub, but you processed your heart in such a way that it was through the lens of who Jesus is versus through what your situation says. Does that make sense? And so... As, 
I also want to do this. If you're 35 and under, would you raise your hand? Wow. So look around the room. That's majority. Majority of the room are millennials. What's up? I'm a millennial myself. 25. We're taking over. Um, so for millennials, for us, it's like this new breed of generation that comes in. There's a generation coming after us. Same thing. They view life probably different than we do. Maybe a little same, but a little different. But for us, for millennials, like we're burning for the Lord. We love the Lord. Yet it can be that rub of how do you steward your heart? How do you steward your faith? Yet walk with endurance and walk with integrity and walk filtering your life through the lens of who he is. And in Romans 3, can you put that up? 3, verse 16. This is the most interesting verse that we've, we've all heard. Romans 3, 6, I think actually is what it is. I think I said 16. Romans 3, 6. It says, certainly not. For then how will God judge the world? Okay, next one, verse 7. For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged? Okay. I think that's the wrong one. Hebrews 3. Hebrews, Hebrews 3, sorry, my fault. Hebrews 3, no, no, not that one. No, no, Hebrews 3, 7. Oh, Lord, cross-country endurance. Right here, it says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. How many of you have heard that before? Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. We've all heard that. But it says, as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. Some of your translations may say, as in the day of Meribah. So this is a direct quote out of Psalm 95. Can you throw Psalm 95 up? Psalm 95. It says, oh come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us, okay, I think it's in verse six. Psalm 95. Yeah, verse six, starting in verse six. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and if we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. Again, some of your translations may say, as in Meribah. So this is an event that takes place in Exodus 17. There's an event that takes place, and it causes David to pin this phrase, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There's this event that takes place in Exodus 17 that causes the author of Hebrews to pin this phrase. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So I wanna look at this, this story in Exodus 17. It's the most interesting, fascinating story. So the children of Israel, backstory, they've just been delivered from, from slavery. They've just been delivered from years, years, years of persecution and slavery, and here they are. They're in the wilderness. They've walked through the Red Sea. We saw by faith the children of Israel walk through the Red Sea. The Egyptians attempting to do the exact same thing were drowned. And here they are. And this is what it says. This is what, what they come to. It says, then all the congregation of, children, of the children of Israel sat out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? They were almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with you with, with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? 
is the Lord among us or not? And I'm reading this story and it's the most fascinating story because he delivers them out of Egypt. Clearly, the Lord is with you. Like you see the Red Sea split open and you're walking through it. Clearly, the Lord is with you. You get all of the people of the children of Israel through. Clearly, the Lord is with you. You look back, you see the Egyptians running through. Uh Uh-oh, but then the water falls on top of them. Clearly, the Lord is with you like the Lord is with you. But here you get to this place and what happens is they start grumbling and they start complaining. Stuff starts being said. And then all of a sudden, two of them are talking about it, then three of them, then the entire family, then this family has dinner with this family and both families are talking about it. Then all of the children of Israel, before you know it, are grumbling and complaining, saying Moses' leadership is bad. We should have stayed in Egypt. We're gonna die. And ultimately that question leads to is the Lord among us or not? Ultimately, that's where it plays out. Is the Lord among us or not? And for millennials in the room, I am one. I'm in this thing with you. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you because I'm in it. Um, But what we tend to do is we go through life. We're on our race. We're on our run. We have these promises from the Lord we're carrying with us. Then all of a sudden, we think it's going to look like a 300 hurdle where you run half a lap, jump a couple obstacles, and you're there. Simple enough. But you're running this way, and then all of a sudden, the Lord says, go up here. And you're like, wait, what? Then the Lord says, give away your whatever. Go here. And then you're back here, and you're like, Lord, now I'm further the way than the starting line was. And then you're over here, and something happens, and we begin to process our heart. We begin to process. We begin to process with people. We begin to process with friends. We begin, we begin to process with elders. We begin to process. And if you do not process well, ultimately what happens is you start questioning the nature and character of God, saying, are you even with me? Are you even real? Are you even whatever? Like, that's not what I thought it would look like, and whatever. Um, are you following me? And so it's really, really important how we process things we go through because faith comes by hearing. And what I have found is the most important voice that can derail me or keep me going is that internal voice up here. I start thinking, I start thinking, man. And I'm just gonna be real with you guys. I wanna let you in on what I have walked through the past couple years for me here and, and things that I know that people go through. Um, but so for me, I can be running, I can be running my race, running my race with the Lord. I get this job at an awesome church, running, 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 running. You think, man, like, man, this is an awesome place for me. Then all of a sudden, your sister writes surrounded. Awesome. You love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then all of a sudden, your sister starts raising, getting, just raising up and she's singing more. She's traveling. She's traveling. And what happens is I'm running my race so you take your eyes off the Lord and you begin to look at someone's gift who's amazing. You're like, whoa, what an amazing gift. What an amazing gift. And then the Lord is trying to get you to go this way, but you're, whoa, what an amazing gift. Well, then all of a sudden, because you didn't, you took your eyes off the Lord and you start processing, whoa, they have an amazing gift. Well, look at their gift. Whoa, well, there's actually not a place for me at the upper room because my, my sister's the one who has a place. Wow, there's, and then before you know it, there's a root of bitterness towards your sister. Before you know it, there's a root of bitterness towards your pastor. Before you know it, you're kind of conspiring over here with another worship leader saying, you know, you're a better singer than she is. Before, you know what I'm saying? And you process, you process your heart and the way you process your heart's really important because if I go processing my heart and my struggles and my frustrations over here, then, then that's what happens. There's, there's division in my family. There's division in one, with one of my best friends. There's division, it's just, just division, but then you're running, you're running your race, and however it looks, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a friend group, and you're running, and you, and you go through something, and it's time to process, because what's going on here is really real, and there's some real indicators, but how you process is important. It's important, and that, that's key, looking unto Jesus, because as you look unto him, and you begin to process your heart, and you're like, Lord, like, I feel overlooked. Lord, I feel unwanted. Lord, I feel unappreciated. Lord, before you know it, you, he begins to tell you who you are. Hey, you remember? You remember that track me where I came to you? And I said, come away with me. It'll be fun. It'll be wild. It'll be full of me. And then you're like, oh yeah, it's fun. 
It's wild. It's full of me. And then you can look at your sister and you can say, go girl, this is how you fight your battles. You know what I'm saying? And you can start celebrating and you can celebrate your friends and you can celebrate your brothers and you can celebrate people who are older than you. You can celebrate people that you care about. You can, ce- you can just begin to celebrate in a whole new light because your eyes are not fastened on them or their gift. Your eyes are fastened on the Lord. You're not running their race. You're running your race set before you, enduring through faith, running. So how does that all tie in together? How does, okay, you hear by faith, but we're running the race that's set before us. And I wanna, I wanna tell you one other story and you can go read it. I don't think they're gonna put it up. It's out of Luke 24. And Jesus is the resurrected king. He's the resurrected, um, he's just rose from the dead. Oscar, if you wanna come up. Oscar's in here, someone on the keys, Joel, someone. Um, so he's, he's, he's resurrected from the dead. He does what he says he'll do. He dies and he resurrects the temple three days later. He does what he says he's gonna do. And he's, but where does he go? It's so interesting. Out of Luke 24, he goes and he finds two travelers and they're walking on a road to Emmaus. It's out of Luke 24. And Jesus shows up to them and in the conversation that they're having, Jesus walks up and he says, hey, what are you talking about? And they look at Jesus and they say, are you the only one in all of Jerusalem that does not know of the events that's taken place in the last few days. So you know right there that it's a negative conversation, that they're processing their heart, they're processing what's happened, they're processing what they've walked through. And as they're processing, Jesus reveals himself and he comes. And he begins to tell them, he says, he begins to open the scripture with them and he just begins to tell them about scripture and he's just walking with them. They still have no idea who he is. Well, they get to where they're going and they go inside, they invite Jesus in and Jesus breaks bread with them and it says that their eyes are, are opened and they see who he is. And in that moment, Jesus vanishes, he disappears. But then they look back at one another, they're like wiping their eyes and they're like, that was, they're connecting the dots and they're like, oh my gosh. And then this is what, the, this is what it says out of Luke 24. It says, they looked at one another and they said, were our hearts not burning as he spoke? Like, was it not that our hearts were burning as he spoke? Was your heart burning like my heart was burning when he spoke? Like, were our hearts not burning as he spoke? Because hearing ears birth burning hearts. Hearing ears birth burning hearts. Um, And there's three things, again, speaking mostly to, to millennials with this next one, but there were three things that I, that I felt from the Lord. And as I just began to talk and dialogue and process what, I, what the Lord was showing me, there were three things that I felt can snuff out that flame of faith. There's three things, there's, there's probably loads more, but there's three specific ones that I feel like the, the, the enemy likes to come in and just snuff out that flame of faith. And it starts small, starts slow, starts as a trickle, but then before you know it, that flame that was burning so bright, you were running hard after the Lord, it's been been rubbed out and then before you know it you've made shipwreck of your faith and you're standing here like Lord I don't even know if you're real it builds up to that place you begin questioning the nature of God Um, and the first one was short-sightedness short-sightedness we're running this race of faith therefore let us endure let us endure or let us sorry let us run with endurance Let us run with endurance this race that's set before us. And so, if you need endurance, it means it's probably a pretty lengthy thing. And so for me, I have learned, you know, this is my my second time in six months to get up and, and share with you guys. It's my second time to get up and preach to you. It's my second time. And if I'm not careful, what I can do is when I get these opportunities is I can think, all right, this is my time. Like I gotta get all my, my ducks in a row and I'm gonna go preach fire and I'm gonna go, ah, I gotta let loose because I may not get another chance for a year, maybe two years, who knows what it'll be. And if I'm living in that short-sightedness of thinking, man, who knows when the next chance will be? Who knows when the next opportunity will be? Then when the opportunity doesn't come, I'm offended at Michael. I'm offended at Kevin. I'm offended at this place. But when I can take a step back and think, therefore, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Wait, I'm not even living for tomorrow. 
I'm not even living for next month or six months. I'm living for when I'm 40. I'm living for when I'm raising my kids up. I'm living for when I'm 40, 50, 60, however old you are, like to get that mindset of, no, I'm living, I'm living for then. I'm not living for now, I'm living for then. And, it, and what it does is it sobers your heart to, wow, like the things I'm walking through, the things that, the season I'm in is just a season. It's just a season and it will end. Like the upper room is a season and there will come a day when the season of upper room ends. It's what'll happen. But Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith will always be there. It's I run the race set before me looking unto Jesus, not looking unto upper room, not looking unto whoever. It's looking unto Jesus. It's looking unto Jesus. And that that short-sightedness, it snuffs out the flame. It snuffs out this flame. The next one is entitlement. Man, this one. Entitlement. Because we all think we're not entitled. I'm not entitled. I don't struggle with that. But entitlement. And you know, and it's, it's like I can, I can, I can, it's sometimes I can get so frustrated and bent out of shape about the littlest things. And then I look at the Lord and, and it's like the Lord, when I finally stop talking and finally let him speak, it's like he's saying, hello, are you kidding me? Like it's not even a big deal and you're tripping about this little thing, this little thing that you're frustrated because somebody said something, because somebody actually fathered you. Because somebody actually mothered you. You've been praying and asking for fathers and mothers. Then a father and mother comes along and they call something out and they actually father you. They actually want to see you grow. They actually want to see the best in you. And then you're offended because you think you're entitled to this and you're entitled to that. And entitlement will snuff out your flame. It snuffs it out. But it starts little. And entitlement actually looks like this. It actually looks like you picking up the rug and you're slowly rubbing out your own flame. Because you're entitled, you think you belong, everything belongs to you. And, and it's what we do specifically as millennials, like in our generation, it can be so easy to be entitled. Man, I preached the last weekend of the year, so if I'm not up next week, I'm entitled to that platform. It snuffs out the flame. It's what it, it, it's what it does. And if we can remember, man, therefore, let us run with endurance, looking unto Jesus. Whoa, I'm not entitled to anything, but to you be the glory. It's unto you, Jesus. You're the worthy one. You're the worthy one. And then all of a sudden that flame where you're frustrated and your process was taking you somewhere just starts burning. Whoa, look how worthy you are, Jesus. Whoa, whoa. And then the last one was not wanting to endure hardship. This is the last one. As we end, as we close, not wanting to endure hardship. Can you put up? Hebrews 12, two again. Hebrews 12, two. Not wanting to endure hardship. You know, as I've, as I've prayed to the Lord in, in seasons past and even now, we can, all, we can all, I'm sure we've all prayed this prayer and the prayer is Jesus, make me like you. Raise your hand if you've prayed that prayer. Jesus, I wanna be like you, right? We've all prayed that prayer. But as we get into the word, as we get into this book, and we start reading it, and we start reading Jesus, make me like you, you know, we only see three years of Jesus' life in this book, minus a couple stories here and there of when he was birthed and when he was 12. But outside of that, we mostly only see three years of Jesus' public ministry. And so a lot of times we can pray, man, Jesus, make me like you. And the prayer we're praying is, Jesus, give me the fame you have. Jesus, I wanna, I wanna move in power like you moved. Jesus, I wanna, I wanna shift nations like you did. Jesus, and all those things are good. Like we're called to do all of that. But to actually pray that prayer of Jesus, I wanna, I wanna be like you, actually looks like a prayer of stepping out of the spotlight and being hidden. It's being hidden in him. It's being hidden in who he is. It's being hidden in the one who's overcome. It's being hidden in the one who, who deserves the spotlight. It's being hidden in the one who's the great overcomer. But there's also this, this other thing that I've learned when I pray that prayer, Jesus, make me like you, is it's right here. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who, the, who for, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus, he endures his cross for the joy that's set before him. And actually an aspect of looking like the Lord looks like embracing hardship. 
looks like embracing that thing you don't wanna embrace, because it's hard, it's, it's tough, it's difficult. But for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. And a lot of times, I can be guilty of making light of the cross. I can read that and think, man, Jesus, yes, for the joy set before you, you, you endured. But the reality is, is Jesus himself, like God, the great overcomer, the one who went through what he went through and received the title, the name above all names, the worthy one. Jesus, he was in a garden praying and said, Jesus, he said, God, if there's another way, I'm down, I'm down for another way, Lord, but not so, you, not my will, but your will be done. And he goes through what he didn't really wanna go through. He wanted to go through it, but he knew it'd be hard. And he endured hardship. But he didn't endure hardship just to endure hardship. There was a joy that was set before him in enduring it. And the joy that was set before him was knowing that we would be his inheritance and we would be his. Like if you think about that, Jesus went through what he went through. He endured that hardship knowing if I go through this, if I can endure, if I can go through the cross, if I can pick up my cross, if I can do this, they'll be mine and I'll be theirs. And it's like through hardship, hardship comes and if we, we can tend to run away from hardship, like man, that's hard, I'll go do this. Man, that's hard, I don't really wanna have that job because that's hard. Or I don't really wanna go talk to that person because that's hard. And it's easier for me just to bit, just hold this unforgiveness than really go repent because that's hard. But if you can endure that hardship, it's actually an aspect of the nature of God that you're taking on his likeness, but there's a joy that should be set before you in that and knowing, man, you are my inheritance, Lord. You're my inheritance. And then in that hardship, that flaming, that flaming flame of faith. And then all of a sudden, it's like a fire shut up in your bones. And you're going through hard things. You're going through trials. You're going through hardships. But there's a joy that's set before you knowing I am his inheritance. He is mine. Like there is going to be breakthrough on the other side of this. And you go through it and that flaming flame of faith just burns, 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 burns. burns. 